This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hey guys, this turned out to be a little bit more rambly of an episode than I expected, but I still got through a lot of really good stuff, a lot of good meta-analysis, uh, list, list building tech, etc., etc., so I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast which focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, PD Pop, and today we are going to be going over list building in 8th edition. Now, the release is this weekend, and I'm sure a lot of you have already flocked to your local gaming stores to pick up the indexes and the basic rulebook. Um, and so you're probably looking at building lists right now. Now, I know a lot of you were building lists previously from both the, the leaks and from everything GW released in their articles on the community page. So I have gotten lists before the actual release, but obviously I'm going to be getting a lot more now that everyone has access to the indexes in the rulebook. So I decided to break this episode up into two parts. The first part, I'm going to be talking about the basics of list building in 8th edition. I'm going to keep that relatively simple. Um, there's not a whole lot into it. Uh, I'm just going to talk about the match points, um, you know, picking units, upgrades, uh, and then just kind of basics like what, what a battlefield role is. And that's just for newer players who are maybe picking up 8th edition after so many new editions of 40k. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, what, what does, what does Gilliman do? Like, they brought Primarchs back. You know, I haven't, I haven't played since third edition, right? Um, so I'm just gonna go over really quickly, uh, the new, the detachments, um, what they do, and command points, and basically the the basics of list building. And then I'm gonna go to commercial. After that, I'm gonna be talking about some newer tips, some things that uh, Reese, myself, Frankie top players have already noticed about list building um, things you can do to make your list better uh, fallacies red herrings and everything you need to know to make a competitive list in eighth edition uh, now it's still it'll still be there you know you won't be able to win every game right like factions will still make an impact of it uh, and then there's also another uh, process that I want to talk about and that'll I'll include that in that part of the episode as well um, that I've seen a lot of people trending you know with their with their lists and I'll talk about that um, it's it's kind of a an interesting phenomenon and I'm sure a lot of you are already doing it uh, but and then that's it and then uh, I've also heard through the grapevine some more powerful lists so maybe I'll talk a little bit about the eighth edition meta I'm really excited I know Reese and Frankie are um, and then one last thing before I jump in no guests today. Uh, the reason for that is I wanted to keep everything concise and clear and direct. 
uh, because if you have two guests, maybe we might talk or, or two people talking, we might talk over each other. Uh, we might get our information crossed. And so I just want to keep everything simple for newer players who are just barely getting into the game um, because GW has done an amazing job with marketing. So there's going to be a lot of new people coming in. And I think that this is important information for them to hear. So remember, guys, first part, talking about list building, the basics. Second part, I'm going to talk about uh, more in-depth list building and strategy for creating your army. Okay, guys, so this is a guide for building a Battleforged army for matched play. Uh, there are three ways to play the game. There's open play, narrative play, and matched play. Now, you probably are going to see a lot of people playing open play, a lot of people playing a little bit more casually, who just kind of have the models they have, and they want to play them against a, an opponent with an equal mindset and just have a good time, drink beer, sling some dice. Uh, or maybe uh, open play is another good way to play test 8th edition. If you're just if you just want to get the feelings for 8th edition, you know, figure out how to play, the basic rules with a buddy. It's a great way to play for teaching newer players or for getting your feet wet in the new edition. Uh, then there's narrative play which focuses more on the narrative aspect of the game. It's it's a lot it's a lot uh, more in-depth, I think, than matched play, which is the third way to play. Uh, basically, narrative play is focused more around the PowerPoints aspect and less on the balance part of the game that matched play brings. And finally, matched play, the version of the game that more tournaments will be in, more more people will probably play in match play in general, your league nights. And the reason why match play is important is because even though open play is designed for uh, kind of like a meeting up with a buddy or meeting a random stranger, a uh, match play is, is generally considered more balanced for players um, who want to just play with other people um, because the game is designed for with balance in mind, or it is sub that's an opinion. Um, that, that the, whether the game is balanced or not, but it is designed with balance in mind. So when you're playing across the table from someone, they have less of an opportunity to be cheesy and to uh, do things or make overpowered combina combinations that you might not uh, like that are uh, more prevalent, that could be more prevalent in narrative and open play, um, which is generally, generally both players are going into a narrative game or an open play game it, with... Uh, not with winning in mind, but with uh, the experience in mind, right? Because in narrative games, uh, one force might have more points or be more stacked against another because of the way the narrative's working. Um, in an open play, it doesn't really matter a whole lot. It, it just kind of matters more that both players are having a good time. Uh, so match play is designed with balance and winning in mind. Now, having said that, the key to match play is to create a battle-forged army. A battle-forged army is made up of one to three detachments. And what a detachment is, is it's a group of units that fight together and gain a strategic or tactical bonus for doing so. Now, this group of units needs to be organized into battlefield roles. So you have uh, the HQ choice, which is that little skull on the top right of your data slate on a unit. Uh, the troop choice, which is the little right-facing arrow. The elite choice, which is a skull surrounded by squares. Uh, fast attack choice, which is a lightning bolt. The heavy support choice, which is a big explosion, fiery thing. The dedicated transport, which is an arrow facing up with a skull in inside of it. A flyers, which are the Valkyrie symbol. Fortifications, which are the rook symbol or the castle symbol. And then finally, the Lord of War, which is a power, a fist, a gauntleted, gauntleted fist. 
these battlefield rolls they they do have a rough rep they do uh represent what the unit is supposed to do in the army so um heavy supports are generally bigger stronger guns they they have a lot more firepower they're like the tanks you know the, the big heavy walkers um and then fast attacks tend to be a lot lighter they tend to be a lot quicker um they have more mobility um they they don't kill as hard as the heavy supports and then elites are supposed to be like your unique units you know the units that they they don't they they don't do the normal things that other units do they have the most special rules they're just they're different and they're cool they're elite right uh troop choices they're supposed to be the basic unit um previous in previous editions troop choices uh had more of a dominant role um but i'm going to be talking about that a little bit more in the second part of my episode when i talk about uh list creation tactics and strategic strategy (laughs) uh anyways hq choices those are your commanders those are always important throughout every game every edition of the game hqs have always been relevant Uh, they are the guys who command your forces Um, they do a variety of different things they can either be beat sticks which means that they are really good at killing other units Um, they can be buffers uh, or um, force multipliers if you will which means they're really good at making the units around them really strong Uh, or they can be a combination of one of those two uh, the flyers and dedicated transports uh, flyers are vehicles they they are like heavy supports um, or fast attacks in the sense that they can fulfill those roles um, but flyers are they're flying vehicles they have their own special unique set of rules uh, dedicated transports are basically transport you put your troops in now not all transports are dedicated transports Dedicated transports are basic transports that your troops can be put inside. Uh, And then fortifications are buildings uh, with cool rules. And then the Lords of War, those are the the big, crazy super units, right? So um, a lot of like Imperial Knights is probably the Lord of War that most people notice, right? So those those are it. Those are the battlefield rules. Moving on to the detachments. Uh, In detachment, there is a restriction and command benefits the restrictions are pretty much straightforward the all of them are pretty much all units must be from the same faction uh and then if you want to determine what unit your faction is from or yeah what uh faction your unit is from uh, you look at the bottom under keywords so if you look at the space marine tactical squad they would be imperium adeptus astartes chapter in brackets because you have to pick their chapter um and then i think that's it I think, I think it's Imperium, Adeptus Astartes, and then Chapter, and then you pick their chapter. And that's it. So you would have to share all of those keywords uh, from that same faction in that detachment. And then uh, holistically, every unit in your army has to have the same keyword. So you could have a detachment of um, Ultramarines in an Imperium book or in, in an Imperium uh, army right as long as they all have the same thing uh, as long as they all have imperium which they do so you could have a specifically a detachment of ultramarines and then another detachment with uh, imperial guard you would be the imperium faction but you would have two detachments with separate factions now you could also just have uh like an hq choice like saint celestine or an hq choice that is a completely different faction like in this case saint celestine is a sisters of battle or adepta sororitas faction unit um and then you could have troop choices from the space marines 
index, right? And I'm just using those for reference uh, because the Imperium is the easily the most popular faction, but you can apply that to any single faction. The Chaos factions and the Eldari factions specifically come to mind because those are the more holistic factions. So it, it's it's really cool because you can mix and match uh, what what units you want from one for your from your collection. It gets kind of silly from a fluff perspective, but I don't think that GW is too concerned with that right now. I think they were more concerned with creating this new edition and getting everyone's units usable, right? Instead of having to release codexes piece by key, piece by piece, like with all their last editions, and then having certain codexes fall behind. So th this way, it's just, it's simple. Everyone's been brought ahead into the game and you can use any unit you want. Uh, then there are also command points. Uh, the command benefits are simple. They used to be, you would get special command benefits uh, depending on your detachment, for example, in the previous edition, Grey Knights got a command benefit uh, for bringing their specific Grey Knight detachment that let them deep strike down turn one. Obviously, that's not the case anymore. The only command benefits now are you get command points. Now, command points are points that you can use. So they're a separate, they're a separate thing from the rest of the army that you have to keep track of. There are points that you can use for stratagems. Now, there's only three stratagems in match play. But through narrative and open play, there's actually a lot more. And then there's even one in the Maelstrom missions if you want to use those. Uh, and then those stratagems are really good too. Uh, basically, a stratagem is something that you use in the game to affect something in the game. So the stratagems for match play are you get a reroll, which is you can reroll any single dice. And that costs one command point. You can counter offend, which is you can use that uh, two command points to select one of your units to charge immediately after your opponent's unit gets to charge. And if you've read the basic rulebook, you would know that assault units or units that declare charges all get to go first. So this is important if you want one unit to swing after one of your opponent's units has swung first. So that way they don't get to swing with all of their units first. You get to kind of uh, interrupt one unit. So it's really good. And then finally, for two command points, a unit can pass a morale test, which is which is which can be really huge. Uh, and then that's it. So those are the command points. Those are the command, uh, the, the stratagems you can use with your command points. As for the detachments, there's the patrol detachment. Uh, so when you look at a detachment, there is a required choice uh, battlefield role, which is um, in this case, the patrol detachment, which is the very first one. You have to pick one to two HQ, which means you have to take at least one HQ choice. And then between one and three troop choices, which means you have to take at least one troop choice. So th they highlighted that for you, uh, it makes it very easy. So if you look at your detachment, you can see the battalion detachment is a little bigger. You have to take two HQ choices and three troops minimum, but you also get three command points for taking it. And then the brigade detachment, which is three of everything and six troop choices, except for flyers, uh, you get nine command points for bringing that. Um, so that's pretty cool. Another thing that you might want to look at is on the right side, there's dedicated transports. Uh, you may select one dedicated transport for each other choice. Now, that doesn't mean you can select one dedicated transport for every two choices. What it basically means is for every battlefield roll slot taken, you may take a dedicated transport. So if you have, uh, if you take the Outrider Detachment, which is the one with one three fast attack minimums and one HQ choice, if you were to fill that up with just the bare minimum, you would be able to take four dedicated transports one for your HQ choice, and three for your fast attack choices. And then finally, there's a Supreme Command Detachment, which lets you 
take between three and five HQ choices, and one Lord of War and one Elite. Uh, there is a Super Abbey Detachment, which lets you take between three and five Lords of War. Uh, and then the Air Wing Detachment, which does the same thing but for Flyers. Uh, a Super Heavy Auxiliary Detachment that just lets you take one Lord of War. A Fortification Network, and that's the only one that lets you take fortifications. So to take a fortification, you will have to use up one of your three detachment slots. And then finally, the Auxiliary Support Detachment, uh, which lets you take one of any battlefield role, um, except for Fortification and Lord of War. You can't take either one of those, but you can take, you get like a freebie, basically. Uh, but that one does make it so you lose one command point. Uh, so, you know, that, that could be good and bad. If you really need like a flex one detachment, although I don't see you ever actually needing to take that, uh, unless you really want to take a flyer. Uh, but I mean, it's just, it's just, I don't really see people needing to use that. Uh, so, you know, anyways, that, that's basically it. So when you're building your army, it's important to look at the models you have, uh, determine their battlefield roles, and then add up their points costs. So once you decide uh, what a point, what's a reasonable points cost for your opponent, now GW has uh, a points limits, like a recommended points limit for your opponents. Uh, if you're just starting off, just stick with a thousand points. Um, and the re the reason why is because games would be a lot shorter. It's a lot less. There's a lot less stress on you as a player, and it, it's just a thousand points is a good solid points cost. You still have a lot of your units. You can play with a couple of your toys, but it's not uh, overwhelming. And so when you're building your list, and you're looking at your choices, you go ahead and go to your index. In this case, I'm going to use the Imperium One index because it's the one I have out, and you go to your points values. Uh, so if you're a Space Marine player and you have a captain in Terminator armor, you look at his points battle value. Uh, in this case, that would be 122 points. And then you go to his profile over there under his data slate. Uh, so you go over Space Marine, Terminator, Captain, and then you see he has Space Marine Terminator armor, but he also comes with a uh, comes with more like kind of like stock uh, weapons. Right, so every single Space Marine Captain in Terminator comes with this no matter what. There's nothing you can do about it. It's something that they have to take. Right, so in this case, the uh, that's the Librarian in Terminator armor. The Captain in Term Terminator armor also comes with a Power Sword and a Storm Bolter. So you do have to pay for those as well uh, because points per model are not do not include the War Gear. So you're paying 122 points for a Captain in Terminator armor. And then you go over to the Melee Weapons page. For the power power sword, which is four points, which brings you up to 126 points, and then the storm bolter that you have to take is two points, which brings you up to 128 points. So a captain in Terminator armor is 128 points after all of his war gear, uh, and then from there, if you want to upgrade him with other things, like if you want to give him a storm shield, there's points for storm shields in there. If you want to replace his storm bolter with a different item, which it does allow you to do, it actually tells you in the bottom section of the the rules so there's the when you're looking at a data slate there is the profile its strength its toughness its wounds characteristics and then there is the the war gear it comes with and then there is uh suggested war gear um and that's actually really cool um so when you're looking at your 
at your uh, units, you can look at the suggested war gear and sometimes you don't even need to look at the back of the index. You can just keep it on that page and you have almost all the or all the relevant information for that unit on that page. It makes it very simple, makes it so you don't have to do a lot of page flipping. So that's kind of cool as a little reference point. Uh, and then underneath the suggested war gear or the common war gear page is the uh, war gear options. And so every single unit in the game has war gear options and maybe not every single unit in the game, but every single unit in the game that does have war gear options allows you to, uh, it tells you exactly what to do with that war gear option. So if you wanted to give a space ring captain and terminator armor a combi weapon of one type, it would replace the storm bolter with the combi weapon, etc., etc. So it actually, it tells you what upgrades you need to take, what upgrades replace other upgrades. And yeah, you do have to pay for things like uh, in, on a Space Marine Thunderfire Cannon, you do have to pay for the Thunderfire Cannon model, which is a weapons profile. And then you have to pay for the Thunderfire Cannon weapon, uh, which is a little strange, but uh, you'll get used to it. So it's important to look at everything your model comes with and then check all the relevant points costs for that model. And even if it's something like a regular Space Marine, look at crack grenades, frag grenades, bolt guns, bolt pistols, all Space Marines come with those things, but just check and triple check and make sure that you're not, uh, you're spending the correct amount of points for every single one of your models. Uh, it's a little annoying. I know if you have played uh, 40K in different editions, it, it's very different. Um, so just bear with us. It, you know, it's very important because GW, it allows GW the ability to redo points values on units that are under or over costed. Uh, it makes it a lot easier on them, and it's really not that big of a deal for us, right? It's just a little bit of extra page flipping. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Other than that, if I missed anything, guys, or if you have any other questions, you can email me, frontlinegamingpdpab at gmail.com. That's frontlinegamingpedypab, as in boy, at gmail.com. Uh, hit me up. I've gotten a ton of questions about email, uh, army lists, um, what's good, what's not good, how to play 8th edition, uh, rules, disputes, etc., etc. I love answering all those. I wake up every morning at 6 in the morning to take care of my daughter. When I wake her up, you know, pick her up. We look at my email account, see who's emailed me for the morning, answer those, uh, give her her breakfast, usually milk. It's her, uh, her uh, breakfast of choice which is, you know, it's pretty cool. She's seven months old, so she doesn't have much options. <laughs> but go ahead and do that. Email me. I love getting your emails if you have any other questions. That's basically it. Uh, it's really, really simple. Remember, you're limited to three detachments, and um, add up your command points and have fun and go out and dominate. Yo, get off the computer. I need to check eBay. I got an auction ending soon. Wait. What are you doing on the computer? I'm just buying some minis online. Are you saving money? Nah, dude, saving clicks. Time is money, right? Hey, what the heck was that for? Dude, you gotta buy from Frontline Gaming. They offer savings on minis every single day. Whoa, that's better than saving clicks. With all that savings, I can take a few days off of work so I can paint these minis. Ow! You gotta stop that. It hurts. You know what hurts? Spending three weeks base coning models. Save yourself some pain and get them painted by Frontline Gaming's painting studio. You know what? You've got all the answers. That's why I'm glad you're my best friend. I don't know what I'd do without you. I could never hurt you. What are you looking up on eBay? I'm uh, selling a bunch of old models. Don't really use them anymore. <laughs>
Why aren't you going through Frontline Gaming's secondhand store? You can get money or store credit. I think you broke my nose. I don't like your tone, mister. So I'm just going to say this. Head over to FrontlineGaming.org for more details. Okay, everyone, I am back. Now, I have had a chance to play a lot of 8th edition games. Um, obviously, store owners did get access to the indexes early, earlier than the rest of the people for uh, some 8th edition hype. So I've had a chance to be play 8th edition games this pre-release. Um, so I've got a lot of chance to build a lot of lists, uh, build a lot of... Um, of good tournament lists and play against some good tournament lists. I've gotten to play a lot of 8th edition games. I also have a great supportive team in Relentless D. You guys are amazing. So basically, we've gotten a lot of theory hammering, a lot of good games in, and I feel like I have a much better knowledge of list building tactically than I did previously. And of course, Reese and Frankie, they are playtesters. They are my bosses. Uh, they helped me out a lot in list building. They answered all the questions I had. Um, they showed me some of the tips and tricks and it was kind of cool to talk to them and hear how they evolved through playtesting and how their lists evolved, right? So it'll be really exciting to see Reese and Frankie play in tournaments and play 40k games competitively uh, because their lists are, I would say, more fine-tuned than the rest of the lists. I'd say that especially Frankie, um, not, not to take away any credit from Reese, um, but Frankie is the better player. He is the world's greatest 40k player. You know, it happens. Um, but they, they have, a, they have a lot of knowledge about the game and, and a lot of the, the tactics that I'm going to be talking about today, a lot of the list building tips and tricks, they already knew, uh, going into it. So, so they're kind of evolved and it's kind of interesting to see, uh, where, where they are now, as opposed to where I'm at now. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. So list building tips and tricks. The first thing everyone does, this is a red herring. It happens everywhere. You are all guilty of it. I'm sure guilty of it. And that is building a list with the models you have. It's a lot of people do that. Uh, a lot of people have emailed me. They've said, these are the models I had, like, check out my list. And it's basically like the flavor of the month in 7th edition, you know, combined with, with 8th edition rules, all in an 8th edition list. So uh, don't, don't, you can't do that. You, if you don't have a large collection, I understand a lot of people don't have large collections. Um, so just, you have to kind of look at this new edition as a fresh slate. Um, you have to look at the units that you, either the units that you like. In my case, I liked Gilliman. I liked him last edition, even though he was crap. Liked him this edition, told myself I was going to use him. He's really strong. He is arguably the best single model in the edition right now. But he's probably not the best. He's not probably not part of the best Space Marine list, or even definitely not part of the best list. Period. Um, but he's good. He's really good. Um, so stick with the models that you like. Uh, play those out. See how you like those, and then kind of uh, go from there. Uh, if there was a faction that you couldn't play in Seventh Edition, like with Orcs, um, maybe you can start looking at Orcs a little bit. Uh, the point is, is that you need to get you need to get rid of your your twin linked heavy bolter Razorbacks. Um, tactical squads, right? Uh, your your um, Eldar warp spiders, right? They just they're just not going to work. Your Riptides, um, you have to you have to kind of put those in the past, um, shelf them, you know, just like player Grey Knight players did with their armies, with their whole armies, uh, Orc players with their whole armies, um, and then just kind of move on and figure out what works best for you. Now, there is a bright side, and that is that every single list I have found, every single faction I have found 
has a really, really good, powerful, broken, competitive list. Um, you know, Admech has the, the Castellan robots, which are crazy, and also Iron Strider, uh, Iron Strider Onager Dunecrawler spam is really strong. Uh, you know, Guard have the conscripts, they have access to Militarum Tempestus Scions. Larissa's list with the, the Chimeras and the tanks and the Heavy Flamer spam is really good. You know, they have a lot of access to a lot of cool stuff. Dark Eldar have access to a lot of good stuff. Eldar have access to Wraiths, Wraith spam, that's really good. Uh, Let's see, Space Marines, obviously, Space Marines always be really competitive. Uh, Blood Angels are really good. Space Wolves are okay, though they do have access to a really good HQ choice in the Rune Priest with the Jump Pack uh, because they have a Psychic Power that gives a unit minus one to hit, which is huge. It's really, really good. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Tau, the, the infamous Commander, rip, the Commander Suit Spam, uh, Imperial Knights, Orcs, orcs are, are kind of interesting right now in that they're really good, um, but I don't know what the best orc list is at the moment. I've seen a lot of really good competitive orc lists. And then Tyranids are also in the boat, though I do know what the best Tyranid models are in like the Tyrannocyte, Gene Stealers, Broodlord, Swarmlord. Uh, those are all really, really good units. So the best Tyranid list will have some amount of those units. Uh, and then um, uh, Death Watcher Bad, I'm sorry. They're not. They're just not good. They're they're elite. They're a very elite army. Um, they have some cool little tricks, uh, but they suffer from Imperial Soup Syndrome, which is uh, an Imperium army has a, some good options, but you can't take them as an individual army because the Imperium the Imperium has better options, right? So you might be able to splash them, uh, but they won't be so good as a standalone army. And the the temptation to make them a standalone army is a lot lower with the Imperium keyword being a big part of of list building now. Um, so uh, Grey Knights are, are fall in that boat, but they have a much better chance. Uh, Chaos Space Marines, uh, obviously they have Corn Berserker in Rhino Rush Spam, um, which is really good. They have You can bring 200 Cultists, just like you can bring 200 Conscripts. Uh, cultists are a little bit, um, they're more expensive, but they are also more efficient, especially with Abaddon. Uh, and then Chaos Demons have Brimstone Horror, Nurgling Spam. Uh, you can hide characters behind those. Um, they have Magnus the Red. With, but Well, the Chaos Faction has access to Magnus the Red. And, of course, they have Renegade Knights, which are really good. Um, I'm sure I missed a faction. I'm um, thinking back right now. There's If you if you have a faction and you're, and you're worried about what your good competitive list is, or you're worried about being competitive, um, just email me. You know, I'll help you out. I'll help you out to the best of my ability. Um, so that's cool. That's cool that every faction has access to a competitive, uh, a really good competitive list. Now the downside to that is that every faction, not every faction has access to multiple good competitive lists. Um, so if you're one of those guys who's been really holding on to your Tau Vespids, or, or you, you know, you're praying that Riptides are not bad, and you haven't sold your Riptides on eBay yet for 20 bucks a piece, I'm sorry. Um, there's there are going to be certain lists and certain units that just don't cut it in eighth edition, just like in every other edition of every other 40k game, and just like in every other game period, right? Um, you know, in every competitive game, like like in football, you might like the lateral pass a whole lot, but you're not going to be able to lateral pass, especially at the highest level, consistently every single game. Like it's just not going to be a strategy, you know? Yeah, it's just not going to happen. Sorry. So, um. Just keep that in mind when you're building your list um, and you're picking your models. Uh, so just that's just a red herring, something I wanted to highlight before we talked about actual list building. Now, list building. Uh, 
two things. When you're list building, one, your command points aren't extremely important. The average list is going to have anywhere between uh, five and seven command points. And that's really all you need, right? So, uh, like, I run an Imperial Knight list. I've been running an Imperial Knight list with Gilliman. It's currently undefeated. It's a stupidly good list. It's just three shooty Imperial Knights, uh, Imperial Knight Crusaders with a Battle Cannon, a Gatling Gun, a uh, Heavy Flamer, two Heavy Stubbers, and then one of them has the little D6 Strength 5 Missile Launcher shots that uh, that ignore Line of Sight. Right, and then reboot Gilliman to give them the reroll the hit rolls of one and plus one of their charge rolls primarily. Um, so that's really good. Uh, not a lot of lists have access to killing multiple knights really fast. Uh, and then those knights with Gilliman's rerolls to hit rolls of one are really efficient at killing things. Uh, in close combat, they have 12 battle cannon shots each in close combat, essentially, on top of their normal battle cannons and their normal shooting. And the fact that they can move over infantry models and not get tied up in combat so they can just charge things in combat with impunity. Knights are really dirty. Uh, but that list has nine command points. And that's three from Gilliman, three from the Knights, three from the Detachment. Or from starting off and having a Battleforged army. That's too much. That, that's that's good because I'm going to take those, those uh, models anyway. So the nine command points is cool. It's good. Uh, but I, I don't always use all my command points every game. And I... I you, I re-roll as many things as I possibly can. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just re-roll this extra to hit roll. Just Why not? Just do a little bit more damage. It makes my knights even more efficient. If you if you think about it, it essentially gives them uh, twin-linked for one round of shooting throughout the course of the game if you were to add up all those re-rolls, which is pretty good. Um, so just it just makes knights better, the, the nine re-rolls. But the thing I see a lot of people doing is they they try and max out command points, right? So they, so they take suboptimal units um and try and fit them into detachments and take tax choices to add in command points you don't need to do that just the the best way to start building your list brings me to the uh second thing when you're building your list and that's use the best models that you have access to right so the, the best units and the best models period right so what what the best thing you need to do is you need to find the um the models you like, the units you like that are really, really good, if you want to build a competitive list, you build the list first without detachments, right? Because in this new edition, it's actually extremely easy to fit everything you need, everything you bring into a detachment. So when you build your list, don't look at the detachments, look at the list. Um, this is why spam is really good. Uh, Min-maxing is really strong. Also, troop choices are basically dead, right? So the troop tax is gone. That's because of the spearhead detachment, the Vanguard Detachment, um, and the Outrider Detachment, I think are those are the three. Uh, those are the detachments uh, for the Battlefield rules, the Heavy Support, the Elite Choice, and the Fast Attack. Um, those have only one HQ choice for attacks, and then you can take as many as one Battlefield rule as possible. That's really, really good. Also, the Command Detachment, the three to five HQ choices. So you don't need to take troops. You don't need to take any of that stuff. If you have something really good like Tau Commander Suits with Missiles, um, that's really strong. So so just keep that in mind. Um, it Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, uh, spam is going to be really prevalent, especially right out the gate um, when people don't have access to, uh, haven't had access to the indexes. So they haven't been able to fine tune their lists. Um, so spam is kind of like the easy, simple mathing out and breaking the game go-to solution. So you're gonna see a lot of spam lists coming right out of the gate. I think that'll slowly dwindle as 
more people like uh, Frankie, who's running Sisters of Battle, which is a very off-meta, really cool list. Um, as more people bring unique lists that beat other lists, you'll find that a lot of the spam armies will tend to rock, paper, scissors each other. Um, and then when that happens, the spam armies start taking things to counter their rock. So if you're a uh, list like like uh, Knights that loses to an Alpha Strike army, a shooting Alpha Strike army like Tau Commander suits that can kill a knight really quickly, you start to bring things like 200 conscripts or like 100 conscripts with your knights. Then, uh, and then, but then that makes you a little bit weaker um, because you start losing to things like like 100 Gene Stealers, right? And so you're like, okay, well, then I start losing to that a little bit more. Um, and then, of course, the 100 Gene Stealers is like, well, I can kill knights now in that list but now i have to really deal about work with this list or deal with this list um so as the meta evolves and people bring more counters to other people's lists it's actually going to turn into a really stable amazing meta and that's actually what i started to see with the way recent frankie play um so just keep that in mind guys when you're list building uh stick with your uh the really good units that you want to win the really competitive units um Try not to focus on the meta too much, but keep an eye on it because it's going to evolve very, very, very quickly. Um, spam if you need to. There's nothing wrong with that because um, this is, you know, remember the objective is to win and be competitive. Don't be a jerk, but win and be competitive um, because that's what match play is all about. That's what GW wants you to do. GW wants you to be competitive. GW wants you to win. They are acknowledging the fact that there are tournament players and that there are players who will min-max and win. Um, so spamming, it might not be fun, but that's what narrative play is for. That's what open play is for. That's what cat, that's what your friends are for, right? Or the, the, the friend, not the friends that you bring to tournaments that you call your friends. Um, but they're really like people who'll just beat your face in if you play them every game of 40k. But you know, like your real friends, like the, like your buddy who still plays guard in his garage, who taught you how to play the game. Um, who still plays really casually, who, when you play with him, you just have fun playing with him. Right, because he's never going to go to tournaments. Uh, I'm referring to my buddy Hunter, who got me into the game. Hunter, you're the man. Gave me a Space Marine army, a big Space Marine army, for free. Um, and it got me into Warmer 40k, and here I am now, with, with thousands and thousands of downloads per podcast, um, talking about a game that I absolutely love. Uh, anyways, so, build your list, and build it with, um, with optimization in mind. Right, so so when you build your list, let's say you have your list, it's done, right? Um, you look at your heavy supports, you look at your fast attack choices, um, you look at probably not your troop choices, uh, but you look at your HQ choices, maybe your Lords of War, you figure out the best possible units you want to bring, you start fitting them into detachments. Um, and then occasionally to make them fit, you might need to include a couple HQ choices, uh, but there really is no need to include troop choices, um, you know, Unless your army, unless you're going to bring those troop choices anyways, because they're so good, uh, you don't really need to worry about paying taxes for anything. Um, so once you do that, remember the Vanguard, the Vanguard uh, Outrider, and the Spearhead Detachment all have give you plus one command points. So you're you're already getting four, which is not bad. Um, and if you get another one of those, you can duplicate detachments. So if you need to, if you have let's say uh, six or seven heavy support slots heavy support choices um you don't need to put them or specifically six if you have six heavy support slots that you're using up you don't need to put them all into one detachment you can put them into two detachments and then pay the points for a cheap hq choice which you're probably going to take anyways um and then just split them into detachments and get an extra command point um that's how you get your command points you you look at your detachments and you figure out the best detachments that you can bring 
to optimize your command points then, um, not the other way around. So you build your list and then you optimize your command points and your detachments after you build your list. Uh, I, find, I found personally that that's the w best way to build competitive lists in 8th edition right now. Uh, another thing to do when you're building your list is uh, think about stacking buffs and cheap HQ choices are the name of the game. Um, Swarmlord is, and well, Gilliman's not an HQ choice, but uh, Swarmlord might be the exception to that, um, as maybe Abaddon is probably also the exception to that, and St. Celestine. There are certain HQ choices that are really expensive that are worth taking, um, but if you take a lot of smaller HQ choices, that maximizes the amount of detachments you can take, uh, or the amount of uh, good detachments you can take, or just basically the amount of detachments you can take, because HQs are the new troop tax, um, because every single detachment requires an HQ choice, except for the Lord of War detachment. Um, and then you, from there, you uh, basically use those to buff lar the large amounts of things you're going to be spamming, and then that makes those things better. Uh, so, Cheap HQ choices is probably the way to go. Um, when you're list building, think about things like uh, points. How many points uh, a, a single wound costs for a unit? Um, so if you look at an Imperial Knight Crusader, it, it's 540 points at 24 wounds. That only comes out to like le less than 25 points a wound. Right, probably a little bit more than that. I think I feel like my math is terrible. Uh, the point is, is that in the previous edition, if you took the cheapest knight, which is the knight gallant, which is 325 points, uh, you're paying over 60 points a whole point, um, because it only had six whole points and it's 325 points. Right, so so you're automatically getting a 50% increase in durability, um, and so you have to start looking at things like that. A unit like a torox, a torox prime with the Punisher gun and auto, not auto cannons, the hotshot volley cannons or hotshot volley guns, the big side guns. That's 94 points or 92 points, but 94 points with the storm bolter. And I don't see why you don't give it two storm bolters. They're they're pretty good. Um, that's 94 points for two storm bolters, a Punisher cannon, and two hotshot volley guns. Uh, that that's pretty good. That's less than 10 points a wound. Um, but it's even better when you start to figure factor in that that's 30 strength four shots. So that, that, that's crazy. That, that's insane. That's three points a shot, right? Uh, or less than that. Is it it's three points a shot? So, yeah, something like that. Anyways, it, you, you're, you're shooting 30 strength four shots, maybe with a reroll to hit rolls of one, um, for less than 100 points. You know, if you max that out, that'll start, that, that'll start taking out things. I'll say starting out a lot of things. That's really good. Um, so just think about your points, uh, how what you're spending them, and what you're getting out of the points. Um, you could do this. Obviously, people did this in seventh edition and sixth edition and the previous editions. Uh, the reason why I think it's a lot easier in eighth edition is because the war gear points are stepped out separately from the other units, and also things got more expensive, but things also got more wounds. Um, so you really start to feel the value of having a model that has multiple wounds. Um, because it's harder to kill. So just keep all that in mind. Uh, wound cost, uh, points cost, damage output, and then then that case you can kind of you can kind of break the game in that case. Um, you know by spamming uh, spamming the most points efficient wound. Uh, obviously this is why recent Reese has been telling people to bring a lot of line of sight blocking terrain um, because then things like movement 
uh, movement and objective placement become a lot more important. And it's not just a game of min-maxing to find the best possible shooting unit. That's pound for pound also the best wounds. Right, so that's why line of sight is really important. It's the X factor. Um, going on to, I did say I was going to talk about lists that I've I've heard a lot more. I did mention a couple at the beginning of this part of the podcast, um, but just to reiterate, corn berserker spam in rhinos. Uh, a lot of people are gravitating towards like rhino spam, razorback spam, which I think is really good because razorbacks and rhinos are they're under 100 points. They're still fairly durable. They're toughness seven. But especially Razorbacks, um, they can put out insane damage output with, like, twin length assault cannons, which is 12 shots each. Uh, so, you, you know, I think vehicle spam is starting to become a real thing that you have to worry about. So if you're concerned about uh, building your list, build it to beat Toughness 7 or Toughness 8. Um, to spam things that can hurt Toughness 7 and Toughness 8, uh, you need to be able to kill multiple Rhino chassis vehicles a turn. Um, and that works for, I guess, Rhino chassis vehicles now are like toughness six double digit wound models that move quickly. You need to be able to kill a lot of those, like Dark Lance uh, Raiders or Dark Lance Ravagers or, or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I, my Dark Eldar player friends are getting to get mad at me because they've been raving about their Dark Eldar lists for a while and I completely forgot what their competitive list was. Um, but yeah, uh, vehicle spam in some sort of sense uh, for Sisters of Battle, for Guard, for Space Marines, for Chaos Space Marines, um, that's going to be a, a real big thing. And then one more thing um, in terms of like list building and the meta, Forge World is going to be a big monkey wrench. We have no idea what Forge World is bringing. bringing. There are leaked photos of Forge World stuff along, online, but um, if you've heard this podcast previously in the past edition, I don't like to talk about rumors. I don't like to talk about leaked photos um, for two reasons. One, GW, there are bros. Um, you know, th- those are leaks. That Leaks are like like uh, news outlet media things that um, maybe GW didn't want to get out. That's why they're called leaks. Um, so don't like to talk about them on this show. And two, they're just rumors. Um, they can be falsified. They can come from irreputable sources, and they might be wrong. And I like to deal in facts. I like to deal in things that you have in your hand that you can physically hold that you know for sure will be at a tournament. Right? So... Anyways, Forge World is going to be the big monkey wrench. Um, the Of the Forge World things that we've seen so far that GW has given us, a lot of it seems really, really strong. Uh, and then from looking at the PowerPoint, seems really expensive, which is kind of what it was last edition. Um, and if you take last edition into account, what you're going to eventually have is you're going to have a lot of really unique, cool rules to fit really unique, cool models. Um, but there's going to be some diamonds in the rough. There's going to be some outright insane things uh so that'll be the big equalizer the big forge world you know push um and then of course as gw releases more things because we're not going to stick with the indexes forever i mean i don't know what's going on down the road but i think you can safely assume that gw is going to release some sort of like like codexes or some sort of updates to these armies um because the armies and the indexes are very bland uh, they don't have a lot of their cool rules. Like, there's no there's no such thing as chapter tactics for Space Marines, for example, right? You just have your HQ choices. So I have a feeling that that, that is going to cha- shape the meta in a lot of different ways. Um, so my final advice for people who are building lists now is to focus less on building an optimal list to win the tournament scene, to win in the tournament scene, and more to 
winning and figuring out what units work best for your favorite army. Because, um, like I said before, if you pick your if you pick your favorite army and you start running the really good list, because every army has access to a really good broken list right now. Um, so, if you start focusing on the really good units, figuring out how they play, you know what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are, what their range values are, um, what their best loadouts are, you can start figuring out uh, what good units to buy. And then when the codexes come out or when GW releases new things, new rules, you're prepared. So when your stuff comes out, so if you're playing Space Marines, um, when Black Templar chapter or when chapter tactics, if they ever do come out or some form of them ever comes out, you're, you're prepared. You know, okay, my land speeders were already good this edition or they already good bef before the GW releases and with the indexes when the eighth edition first got out. Bam! Now I've got my land land speeders. I don't have to worry about it. Um, you can also look at how how the rules affect your units, and then it'll it'll just make the meta better. Um, so just keep that in mind, guys. The index is temporary. Um, obviously, there you know this was something. The indexes were something GW printed so that everyone could play with their toys instead of in previous editions when uh, you had like one one codex that stuck that fell behind at like two editions. Right, so they just they just said okay, hard reboot, restart. We're starting from scratch, no codex left behind. Everyone's everyone's in the same boat, which is good. That's it's really good. It's really smart, creative thinking in in terms of uh, game creation. So kudos to GW, um, and that's it, guys. Just remember uh, the things I said to summarize. If you know if you got past all this rambling, I'm sorry. I know the video was really rambly, um, but summarize. Uh, list building, list building is all about min-maxing points values and less about detachments and maximizing command points. So don't go for just command points. Uh, go for the best lists. Troop choices are troop taxes and troop choices are basically gone. So stop putting your Space Marine tactical squads in your Space Marine lists. Just run the good stuff. Um, uh, and then uh, finally, remember this is all temporary. Uh, focus more on finding out what the best units are and holding on to those units than actually min-maxing and winning. Because um, the last thing you want to do is be playing a like a Tau Commander spam suit army um, and then have Tau Commanders get absolutely wrecked by something that gets introduced in the future that hard counters them. And you're like, oh, well, maybe I should have figured out how good broadsides were, right? And then you fall behind and then um, you might lose the ITC race. So just keep that in mind, guys. Have fun, and that's it. Thanks for listening. You guys are the best.